Hey you, welcome to Sloan Cast. Thank you so much for tuning in. Uh, we are your best acquaintances, your best Sloan acquaintances. Robin, Ken, I'm just kidding. We're more than acquaintances. We're your best friends in Sloan fandom. How's it going, Ken? Doing pretty well. I'm ready to dig into the Canadian Fab Four, as it were. All right, yeah, the greatest band of all time, as we like to refer to them. And if you don't think so, hey man, you just stop playing this show right now and delete it from whatever device you're listening to. Uh, I'm super happy uh, to have Aaron Pinto as our guest this week. He is a dude who I met in 2011, great guy, writer, super Sloan fan, and we're going to chat with him today. Aaron, thank you so much for being on a Sloancast, sir. Rob, Ken, thank you so much. Um, I'm flattered, I'm honored to be here, and uh, <laughs> like like you said... Sloan's the best band of all time. You're pro- if you if you don't agree, you wouldn't have found this podcast. So it's kind of like it's true. Kind of like dividing by zero. You just exactly can't be done. If you're listening to this podcast, you're they're your favorite band. Even listening to this is kind of a litmus to see whether you're into the band or not. So very good point. So, sir, why don't we just start off with perhaps a little bit about you, a little bit of history, you know, your life, maybe early life, early musical memories, and then kind of how you railroaded into uh, being a fan of the greatest band of all time. Sure, sure, sure. So, my my history. Uh, well, first, I, my context for any for anything Sloan related is that I'm from New Jersey, United States. So, um, and I I did not grow up on Sloan. Um, I'm 29 years old, so I did not grow up on Sloan. They, I mean, I I could have. Um, they were obviously around when I when I was growing up, but uh, I did not I did not arrive at Sloan until 2010 or 2011. I want to say it was 2011, but I grew up, uh, grew up in Trenton. I've lived here my whole life, except for four years. I went to college in Baltimore. I went to Loyola. Um, and that is where I discovered Sloan, which I'll get to. Um, but growing up my very, very musical family. Um, my dad is doesn't, he's the only one who doesn't play an instrument, but he's kind of the music scholar of the of the family just like has you know if a guy has his own cd and record room then he's a music fan you know that's a dedicated room in our house so um he he really raised uh me and my brother on on the beatles and beach boys which um that i mean that was like the only music plus he's a gigantic you know, this is a side note no one cares but He's a gigantic reggae fan, and uh, so we we a weird combination. But we only knew the Beatles, Beach Boys, and and Bob Marley uh, growing up, and uh, you know it kind of uh, naturally as it would happen. Like my brother and I were ob- obsessed with the Beatles as little kids, and then you kind of reach a point, and I maybe you guys were talking about this in one of the other episodes too. That like y- you grow up liking them, and then there there comes a time where you have to like distance from them because they're like not cool. But then you realize, then you come to them again, you realize they're the coolest ever, you know? So that's sort of what happened with me. Like, um, just like if in kindergarten, first grade, it's like, who's your favorite band? Oh, it's the Beatles. And then it's like, Oh wait, other kids don't like them. Okay. I got to get, got to get into like whatever they're into. (laughs) And so I kind of, I left them for a little bit. Um, got really into and this is it's all embarrassing but it's all it's you know i can put it all out there because it's all part of my life um i got you know got real big into into ska like punk ska phase um around like third anywhere from fourth to sixth grade um probably first first cd i bought uh on my own was operation ivy 
uh, okay. Which, but they were they were at that point they were you know 10, 15 years r- removed. So I don't even know how I found out about them. I think it was some CD store had like a patch or a sticker, and I was like, oh, it seems cool. Um, and I should I should mention that like you know in first grade, second grade, uh, my brother and I got real big into bare naked ladies. So I guess there was, there was a foreshadow. There was a Canadian foreshadowing like, uh, you know, like, Oh, okay. Like, and I've, I've come to, I've come to learn in my life that if I'm, if I hear something that's playing in, in a record store or something, and I don't know who it is, I'll look up the band and nine times out of 10, they're from Canada. So I think that's, that's the, the precedent uh there canadian bands um that's great we, we're big into we we're big into stunt um and it's great that you know they've come together chris and stephen page and the trans Highway highwaymen and and all that warms my heart the alcohol uh video they released during at the beginning of covid uh was awesome but anyway probably around eighth or ninth grade i get obsessively into weezer uh, and, and, and the strokes too. Uh, but those were like my big two bands, Weezer and the strokes and, and, uh, Foo Fighters. I was, I was huge into, into them. Foo Fighters, Nirvana. That was like, that was kind of like the music i I finally, I identified with, you know, like, uh, I, I grew out of, I still liked punk ska stuff and I still think certain albums hold up. Some are obviously goofy and some hold up like Goldfinger. I don't know if you guys like them, but I think, uh, I think they they hold up as as at least as songs, um, good songwriters. Um, but anyway, uh, I kind of like grew out of that. And once I found Weezer, I was like, okay, this is this is what I like. Um, I couldn't articulate it at the at the time. Only in retrospect can I go back and be like, oh, I like the pop melodies and harmonies of of the Beatles mixed with loud guitars and. At the time, I you if you had told me that there there was a band who actually did it better than Weezer, I wouldn't have believed you. Um, again, it's all- well, I mean, be- better than better than Weezer, but really only better than Weezer since Pinkerton. Let's be fair, right? I mean, and that's you know, the, there's a million Weezer tangents we could we could definitely go on in in that vein, but um, you know, so uh, I I was obsessed with them. And then around high school, that's when I fell in like a total rebirth, re uh, you know rebaptism into the Beatles, and they just became uh, the, more so than Weezer. I was like, okay, these this is the this is the band I grew up with, and now I'm rediscovering them in a different way, like all these deep cuts, crazy things I I didn't know as a kid, but then the stuff I did know as a kid, it still holds up, and like getting into the bass lines and harmonies and it's like okay this i they're my favorite band weezer's second whatever and it, it kind of like grew off that and obviously you know getting into other bands and discovering indie and you know getting cool on everybody and um but then uh really and for, for the purposes of the podcast uh life quote unquote begins in 2011 i'm i'm in my dorm room i'm running late for a class and uh, I get a phone call from from one of my best friends, uh, Chris Cauley. Uh, shout out to Chris. I hope he's listening. Um, I know, Rob, you said a guy named Chris turned you on to Sloan. So, uh, yeah. What's with all these Chris's? So many Chris's in the, in the Sloan verse. Um, but anyway, I, I, I'm running late for class. 
uh, I get a call from from Chris and and he goes, "You have to you have to stop what you're doing right now." I'm like, "Dude, I'm like I'm getting my my papers together for class. Like I'm already running late." He's like, "You you this is worth it. Trust me." He's like, "Have you ever heard of the band Sloan?" And I can tr- I can truthfully say at the time I was it was one of those like that sounds familiar kind of things because I'd like to think that I was on the my my finger was on the pulse of any <laughs> band but um, I think in my mind and and um, you know people will cringe at this but I think in my mind I I I pictured like Our Lady Peace or something I knew because he did say Cana- he did say Canadian band so. My my you know um, my folder of Canadian bands was was very very slim at this point. So um, I think that's who I thought of. But he was like, "You got to hear this band." He's like, "They're like the Beatles, but they're you know uh, it's like harder rock. Um, you're gonna go nuts." And I'm like, "Okay, I'll, I'll I'll talk to you after class." So like I went to class, called him back. Um, he's like, "You have to. You just you're gonna lose your your shit when you hear when you hear this band." And, uh, the first, it, it, it's funny because I, I came to them in 2011. So, so, so late into their career, uh, they're obviously celebrating 20 years at that point. Um, it's probably like spring of 2011, but the first, it's just so happens that the first song he plays for me is underwhelmed. So <laughs> in a way it's not like, you know, it's not like I, I the first song he played to me for me was, uh, you know, you know, uh, follow the, rest the leader, of my life or something, or something. Or yeah, follow yeah, the leader right? or something. You know, like he he played for me like the song that I would have heard if I was discovering them for the first time. That's great when when they first came out or something. And um, I remember, uh, you know, right like it starts, and I'm like, okay, this is this isn't Beatlesy at all. What this was this guy talking <laughs> about? And then, but then the. First off, the drum fill comes in, and Rob's a great drummer, and I play drums too. I don't know, Ken, if you're a drummer too, we could. Nope, that's the that's the one thing that I just can't do. Hey, fair, <laughs> fair enough. So I mean, listen, this is how this is how our band formed. Side note, um, awesome. no, the three of us, whatever. Um, but uh, the drum fill comes in on "Underwhelmed," and I immediately because rec- as a Nirvana fan, I immediately recognize that as the aneurysm drum fill and i'm like okay this is this rules um but i'm still like you know it's 2011 so i'm just like okay this is kind of like dated this is like 90s this is so nice and then but as soon as as soon as patrick comes in with the harmonies you know obviously when when chris you know when i was young when he says that that's awesome that's very lenin-y and i I mean i'm 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 realizing these things in real time you know he's playing me this song for the first time and you know, okay, we got Nirvana, we got John Lennon, uh, but when when Patrick comes in with the harmony, and the way that the way that harmony and melody they ride on each other, it's it's like um, it's like the Everly Brothers or something. It's like it's like uh, it's like the Everly Brothers on top of Nirvana, and I and it was like love it, love the comparison, right? So I was I was just like this this is insane. I need. I now I need to now I'm going to spend the rest of my afternoon like looking up this band and all this stuff and this is pre Spotify so it was like very much so like hey I'll email you uh, I I download I was able to download like a bunch of their albums I'll email you what I got or Dropbox you what I got and um, that was the other thing too like so I I only knew Underwhelmed I thought I thought it was 
unbelievable. Um, like I said, be- because it, it was, it was pretty much w- without saying it at the, at the time, it, looking back on it, it was pretty much everything I wanted in a song. And, right. and without even knowing that, that they would go on to sound more timeless. Like they would go even more in a direction that I liked, like in my mind, like, okay, this band was, you know, like stuff on smeared is the only, and we, I, we can all agree on this stuff on smeared is, is the only like dated sounding stuff in the, in the Sloan catalog, which is an amazing batting average because <laughs> some bands, their entire output sounds dated. And yeah. it's like the, the, the foresight yeah. of, of Sloan to to change it that early on in their career with tw- with Twice Removed, you know, I mean, somebody could hear Twice Removed and be like, "Oh, this was recorded in the '90s," but you know, you can't deny the that the songs are timeless, and and I would argue that the production is too. I mean, I think people have a whatever. There's a certain '90s aesthetic that that people could probably recognize in the songs or whatever. That's not how I how I view them, but. I'm getting off off track here. So the next thing, like I met up with Kali, um, and again, if you if if you've already forgotten, listener, that's that's the guy who introduced Sloan to me. Um, I, I met up with him on campus, and we're raving. I'm raving about the song. He's like, "Wait till you hear these other songs," and he's referring to to one chord to another. And I can already he shows me like he pulls up his laptop and he shows me like he's got this he's got Sloan albums in his iTunes. And all the album art is laid out right there. And I'm just like, aesthetically, like, I, I don't need to hear. I, I'm already, you've, you've already sold me with Underwhelmed. You've already sold me that, that, that this band is, is writing melodies and singing harmonies on a ridiculously high level. And, and apparently this is their first song. You know, that, that, that's me talking at the time. Apparently this is their first song or first single. You know, it's like the bar is already set pretty high. And then he shows me the album art and I'm like, you know, and I know you guys, you guys talked a lot about the album art in, in the, in the previous episodes, you know, it's like, this is perfect. This is, it's like, this it's the is full, it's the full package. Right. And yeah. if you're coming, if you're coming from a Beatles background where you know that the band is very conscious about the image that they project. Yeah. This speaks to you in a different way because you're getting the full package. It's for all senses. It's not just an auditory thing that you're experiencing, but you're experiencing the band as a visual uh, entity as well, right? Hundred percent. And like, I didn't. I hadn't heard a note of Navy Blues. I saw that cover, and I was like, "This is the cool. These. This is already the coolest band. They're already. They're already the best, just based on these covers." And it was like, I was a little bit into graphic design, but like. I guess I just knew like that they, I knew immediately that they were different from any quote unquote, you know, nineties band or something. There was no, like, I'm not a big uh, pavement guy. I don't know if you guys are, Um, you know, I, I'm on record saying that people of the sky makes pavement obsolete. Like, you have we have people of the sky, so why do we need pavement? Yeah, I think <laughs> we can just we can just take brain in the corners and just throw it right in the recycling bin. There you go, exactly. So like, it's it, but like if I look at their album art, I'm like, okay, this is like trying to be edgy and 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 yeah. '90s, and it's so totally. of the time, and even stuff that's like res- you know, obviously pavement is is respected by a lot of people. More power to them. Um, same thing with like Sonic Youth. They're not my favorite i know uh you know they're probably a huge influence on sloan early on but uh 
same thing like that all seems like of a time and in, in trying to whether it was trying to be like sad looking on the cover or like you know edgy fonts or like dumb you know goth leaning imagery or something but just just to know that okay my context is these guys are from the 90s yet they made they made album art that looked like this and again like this is this is me just talking about the album art you know i'm i'm like already all that much all in with the band that i'm like i'm projecting what their music is going to be like with just the album art and it's like it's it's sixties looking and you, and this is, this is kind of like, this is like a microcosm of, of Sloan. It's sixties looking, it's sixties sounding, but it's not revivalist. It's not corny. It's not like, you know, like, listen, I love jellyfish, but like when you look at jellyfish, it's like, you know, guys in bell bottoms and Dr. Seuss hats. And it's like, they were trying to revive the sixties and seventies. Sloan were just like, no, we, we love that stuff, but we're just, regular guys i think they look you know i thought they look cool i still think they look cool but you know um another good another good example would be like i know the guys have even talked about this in interviews like somebody like lenny kravitz who's kind of coming up and get garnering sort of mm -hmm. accolades and stuff around the same time as, as, as the guys in the band and sloan um and Jay has even said in interviews, like you look at Lenny Kravitz and he's maybe overtly retro, like in his look and his sound, right. you know, but he's not recording it. I mean, even if he's recording it like on old gear and stuff, it doesn't really come across that way. And he's, he's somebody who I would suggest doesn't sound timeless as an example, you know? Hmm. Um, but yeah, totally agree with you so far. hundred <laughs> percent. But you know, it's, it's interesting. Sorry to, sorry to barge in here, but it's no, interesting that you, that you, that we always draw um, comparisons to the 1960s. We always draw comparisons to the Beatles, but you're not drawing a comparison to uh, a sound per se. I feel as though you're not drawing comparisons to like the the instrumentation that's taking place. The gear that the guys are using isn't isn't the same gear that the, they're not all playing through Vox AC30s, right? I mean, right. they're not you know they're they're not using really primitive microphones to record this shit. Um, the, the comparison that you're making is really just the way in which they, they tap their talent and the foundation, the musical foundation they're, that they're building upon as well, which was something that very successful bands in the 60s and 70s did to their benefit, but they're using contemporary themes and contem contemporary sounds as well. So I think when you get that, you know, when you get that, when you get that comparison to, okay, well, you know, this is another song that sounds like a rubber soul song, then, okay, well, they might be using recording techniques that the Beatles had used with George Martin for rubber soul, but it's not necessarily that they're ripping off uh yeah. drive my car yeah, yeah my exactly car. exactly that's it. There, it's, it, it there aren't any beep beep yeah's going on in the background so right there's there's and there's you know the you could look you could take certain slow and stuff and put it under a microscope and and but that's the beauty of it you could you can not you know there's the the re, the beetle references are so subtle that you can once once you go back and and listen to slow like an ear for that you you're like, okay, that's a little, you know, that's a little reference, like the, you know, the the guitar at the end of People of the Sky. It's a little nod to the word by the Beatles and and stuff like that. Little nods, you know, it's not like um, you know, it's it's not like Oasis style where it's like complete, like we're and and maybe they're a bad example because they didn't I don't think they they sound like the Beatles, but they were like trying to 
Yeah, but I mean, if you I, hear the I beginning, if you hear the intro, if you hear the intro, to don't uh, don't look back in anger. It's very clearly yeah. imagined. Like it's it's, right. it's, 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 it's it's they're almost trying to do like a bad sound alike or something, as yeah, opposed yeah. to tastefully taking, you know, influence. That's a good yeah. point. Yes. Yeah. Let's let's put it this way. I think Chris dabbles in self lavishing references to himself and Paul McCartney, but I really don't think, like Liam Gallagher, that Chris believes that he's John Lennon. You know. I think right. that that's where you know that the comparison the comparison stops where the sense of humor begins. And this right. is something I was getting into in the first episode not to cut you off dude but like for me like you know the Beatles are great and I think every popular pop band of the 20th century and of the 21st century has to kind of pay respect to them inadvertently even if they were you know influenced through another band or something that was also influenced um but um it's it's hard not to for me anyway like it's hard for me to just in the face of sloan and like what you're talking about they're the whole package in terms of the songs the, the ways the albums looked the quality of everything even if even watching the interviews with them on tv and stuff like give me sloan over the beatles any day and that's no respect that's no disrespect to the beatles i love them but if you had to desert island me with a desert band, island, it, it would be sloan 100 percent. you know and that listen i desert island stuff is always hard for me because i you know, I cry, I would cry at the thought of not being able to listen to the Beatles. But having said that, you know, um, that's the, the beauty of, of Sloan is you get, you would, what you'd be missing from the Beatles. You would, you would retain that. It would be retained in Sloan. You would get the who in Sloan. You'd get the buzzcocks. You'd get like, there's so many, you get Fleetwood Mac. Like that's the, the Sloan is like a cheat, a desert Island cheat code because you get, (laughs) You, you've, you've, it's the loop, it's the desert island loophole. You've, you've yeah. found a way to get to, to p- carry every band, but it's, but it's not like, it's so hard to explain. It's not like, it's not like a band that's, that's doing Fleetwood Mac or doing, uh, the Beatles. It's the, or doing the who they're, they're Sloan through and through, but it's just, it's got that. It's got that. It's it's got the energy. It's got the aesthetics of these of these bands, but that all of that would be nothing if they weren't all A level songwriters. Like you know, you can you can dress a song up. You, you know, you could uh, you could go to Abbey Road and and play every exact instrument that that the Beatles picked up and and record it through the exact microphones. But if if your song sucks it sucks and and that's that's the thing there are so many and you guys know it everybody knows that there's life life is going through sifting through so much bad music if you're a music fan so much of life is sifting through not not bad like to me music is is like pizza like i it's 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 always it, it's rare, very rarely do i have to turn something off because it's that bad most of the time I can at least listen to the end of the song. It might not have been for me, but uh, you know, it but it makes finding the gems all that much more worth it. And if you had told me in, you know, I, I would have saw myself as like a pretty big music fan in 2009, 2010. And if you told me, well, guess what? You're you haven't even discovered the, your favorite band yet, I would have been like, that's insane. I I know everything. <laughs> I'm love it. But but so to to get back to to my Sloan origin story, so um, 
we're, we go through the album art and I remember he put, he, the next thing I heard was one chord to another. And again, I'm wait, I'm waiting for this. I'm, I'm waiting for this Beatles payoff. I heard it a little bit in, in, in underwhelmed for sure. But the fact that one chord to another starts off with a straight up punk song. I'm just like, I love this. Don't get me wrong, but I'm like, where was he talking about the Beatles two seconds? In, and it was awesome. You know, like good and everyone that one of the most, one of the most iconic drum. I know you agree, Rob. I think I saw, we'll, we'll get to me seeing, seeing Rob in concert, but I think you did the drum fill <laughs> at, at certain points. The, the, uh, yeah. Good we, yeah, quick little aside. I got to. I can't believe I got to do this, but I got to go on tour with the band, and the band that I was in at the time got to open for them. And I'm for sure. I'm sure there was at least one or two shows where I ended songs, even when I didn't have to. You know, the <laughs> songs ringing out, and I just go clack and clack and clack clack clack. You know? <laughs> yes. Yeah, so, um, I hearing that was awesome, but I was like, okay, this is more. This is this is less shoegazy than underwhelmed this is this is more punk and i'm cool with this and then like two seconds into into nothing left to make me want to stay i'm just like oh okay like this is what you're talking about and then, oh there's the stereo pan oh there exactly. <laughs> okay and just like just going through that album hearing it for the first time and hearing and this is, goes back to like they're they're alluding to the Beatles. They're not, they're not ripping them. They're, they're not revivalists, but just hearing like, it was so ref refreshing to hear maracas and like tack pianos on an, on an album. And it was, but they were all tastefully done. And it was in, it was still really hard rocking. And I don't even classify myself as like a hard rock guy, you know, like, uh, but it was, I guess coming from the Weezer school like them being them being being my favorite band previously um you can uh, weezer's a little like and, and no disrespect to them but um it's it's lifeless compared to sloan there's less there's less adoration for for what like how can i put this like sloan Sloan might not be referencing the Beatles, but the their ad adoration of the Beatles is there. You can feel that in the recordings, in the songs. You can feel their adoration for. And I, I reference the Beatles, but it could be anybody. It could be Jay with the Bee Gees. It could be, uh, you know, Patrick with ACDC. It's like there that there's a reverence there that's in the DNA of Sloan. Whereas Weezer is just like very much uh, sterile in comparison. There's no. I would say yeah, I would say Weezer is sort of maybe more one-dimensional, you know, where with yeah, Sloan, it's easy to say they're four-dimensional, you know, um, yeah, but it goes yeah. it goes deeper than just one solitary songwriter, because Rivers Cuomo is awesome a songwriter as he was up to a point, in my opinion, you know, it is still, it's just one voice, it's one style, and I think even he said it at one point, like in the early 2000s, like his aim was to write the perfect pop song, yeah, and so right. from like Green Album on, he's just in search of the perfect, you know, pieces and that fit together in a puzzle that create a perfect pop song and then the output is kind of for me it seems just sounds like it's sort of secondary and i think maybe he found his perfect pop song you know in like the early 2000s ever since he's just been kind of like you know rehashing that same yeah. uh menu or same recipe rather 
it's a steady it's a steady decline it just depends on what angle your your decline is but i think everybody has, agrees that it's a steady steady decline maybe a couple peaks back up in in my opinion but uh yeah. then you know obviously never reaching the the early heights but this isn't about weezer it's uh uh it's all about sloan and the fact that um i knew i was hearing it, be, loving the beatles and loving weezer and kind of like wrestling between the two of them, like, oh, what's my favorite band? To 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 be able to, and I don't want to reduce Sloan to sounding like, what if you took Weezer and the Beatles and combined them? Because that's kind of redundant. Weezer's obviously influenced by the Beatles too, but the the idea of of a of a hard like a harder rocking, um, basically Sloan Sloan or the Beatles, if the Beatles started after punk. You right. Know, that's like nice. that's that's where I everything I love about punk, everything I love about the Ramones and the Buzzcocks, you know, like that's that's in the Sloan DNA. Whereas like punk is inherently not in the Beatles DNA because it wasn't a thing yet. Right. <laughs> you know, plus, so plus I mean it's there the Beatles comparisons, you know, Sloan or the Beatles if the Beatles had longevity. And I think that's the thing as a Beatles fan that you miss the most is that these guys had a recording output over the course of eight years or seven years, basically. Right. Right. So what would have happened? Like the, the Sloan are into their 30th year. They have 12 studio albums. Of course, the Beatles had 11 studio albums as well, depending on how you cut it. Right. Um, but, you know, looking at a very, very short snippet of time, um in comparison to the to the careers of of contemporaries like the stones so like you have you have the qualities the musical qualities and the eclecticism of the beatles but you have the power of longevity which also changes the musical influences of the four members and kind of you you get you get the luxury as a fan of this band to look into the evolution of the songwriting style of each of the members without having to delve into a solo career right so we're not, you know, we're not, we're not digging into Ringo Starr's eighties albums. We're not having to, right. you know, the, the band, the band enrich each other still, right. That, that J Chris collaboration is still uh, alive and well in, in 2020. 100%. And, you know, Chris, Chris Murphy talks about this all the time, just like the, and, and admittedly, and Chris, if you're, if you're listening a little bit shame on you, but, uh, admit it, like going, uh, branching off from his idea of like, let's keep all the best material in Sloan. You never have to, you never have to worry about, um, Oh, was what side project was this? Now that's why I'm, I'm calling Chris out a little bit because there's some amazing shit on the tons album and the anyway gang album. Uh, and even though they're different, even though the how those songs are made from what I know is, is way different than Sloan's very like, jammy jam based and based on the the context of those musicians it's it's different but it's you know it's still chris singing you want that to be sloan i i think there's got to be a little piece of of chris that that is is a little disappointed in his older self for branching off onto side projects that's maybe he hasn't said that but that's my i don't know if you guys uh, we'll be getting some hate mail or what? I think for the next, <laughs> for the next episode. We'll <laughs> yeah, I think, it, and I love the tons and the Anyway Gang stuff. I mean, especially like that Anyway Gang, Anyway Gang album. When I first heard it, it was just like, man, this whole thing is just super great. Like, um, I love all those songwriters and stuff, and it's so cool to hear them all together. Um, and Chris's songs, Chris's two songs on that album are great. But to me, they, and and maybe it's just because in my mind, I know that it's him doing it with other people. They just sort of feel like 
Sloan B sides or something. You know what I mean? Like songs that he would probably have kicking around and they either didn't fit into the archetype of Sloan. Like they didn't fit on a Sloan album or for him, they were like, not his A pluses, you know, just right, his right, A's right. or whatever. Um, and, and, and I've, I've said this before because c- Chris is great in the way that I think his material is such that he can kind of be the condiments of the sandwich when he needs to be, you know, like when they have an album that needs to bridge, you know, an album like Commonwealth or something, uh, where you need to get from, you know, the J stuff into the Patrick songs, like, Chris is going to be that musical bridge, you know? Sure. And uh, I'm trying to remember now, I'm, I'm going to shoot myself in the face. There's the song that's the, that the last Chris song on Commonwealth is a good example. Yeah. You don't need excuses to be good. When that song starts, it sounds like a Patrick song, you know, like right. the, how the guitar yeah, right. starts and stuff. And when, when I'm hearing it, knowing that Patrick's songs are coming up, like I almost anticipate Patrick to kick in, but it's a Chris song. And so he has songs, I think, that sort of fit into their albums where he can make those bridges from one yeah. member to another. Or if there's, you know, if, if one member has a specific tone on the album, Chris can kind of be the um, the mirror to that, you know, the sort of like uh, the lip balm, if you will. Definitely. No, the condiment. That's it's a, it's a great point. And, and he can be his own thing, too. Like, that's the... But, 100%. That's that's the beauty of you know uh, how many times am I going to say that's the beauty of Sloan? But it <laughs> you know that's it is. There's so many that you know that that could be another name for this podcast, the beauty of Sloan, because there's so many facets um, that that make them, in our opinion, the be- the best band ever. And um, and I want to say one other Sloan cast op- option for the title should be Sloan is a desert desert island cheat code. I think that works as well. <laughs> There you go. Yeah. Um, what were we What were we talking about before we? Uh... So you, your your buddy had gotten you into Sloan. You've re, you've reached one chord to another in the canon. I think from my perspective, it would be really interesting and in knowing because we both got into the band earlier from Canada, where the band was very visible in Canadian music media. It would be really interesting for me to know, as an American fan, at what point did you reach their more contemporary canon? So this would have been sure. 2011. At what point did you get to like? never hear the end of it parallel play double cross. And what were you thinking about at that point in time, having already started with underwhelmed in one chord to another? Sure, sure, sure. So the, the other thing, the other thing to put it in context at this point, I think, I think I'd gotten into them and, and, uh, the double cross was not out yet, but, but like it was the album art was, and, uh, I, I very much know it was not out yet because I just missed. I would have. I would have been right there in line to get one of the uh, the hand screen, the silk screen, not silk screen, the hand printed cover. You know, the limited edition double cross vinyl. I, I would have. I would have been first in line, but I just missed that boat. So I was like, right when, right when I got into them was 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 double cross coming out. So uh, or it hadn't. It wasn't out yet. That's that's just relevant for, for context, I guess. But, um, I think, uh, you know, Callie, Callie gave me the, the MP3s of, of all the albums. It was, it was funny because I think it was all the albums and for whatever reason, disc only disc two of Palais Royale. So (laughs) it's, he was like, yeah, I couldn't, I couldn't find a, uh, 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 whatever it's called, uh, on, uh, What's the, what's the word? Like a stream or something? It's, yeah, he's like, I couldn't find a, a download of uh, of disc one, so we just have disc a two. torrent, yeah, yeah. Yeah, torrent, that's the yeah. word. Um, We're definitely getting sued now. Yeah. <laughs> but and but uh, I also knew, at, like, 
I knew I would be seeking these these albums out to to buy them just based on just to have the album art. I mean, I I knew that even if I didn't like them, I I knew I wanted to look at those on something physical, not a, and not a screen. Um, I think it it's kind of a it's kind of blurry what what happened after I heard one chord to another. Um, but I remember, I think I, I might've went to Navy blues next just cause I, I think I might've just been playing favorites on album art. I think I was like, <laughs> okay, I, I, I need to hear that one. I, I don't care about the, uh, going in chronological order for whatever reason, twice removed was skipped. Um, it, it's weird that I went from underwhelmed to one chord. Um, but I think, uh, I think I was going, you know, obviously now I'm uh, at this point I'm on YouTube and I'm, I'm watching, uh, the coax me video and I'm going like, okay, again, you know, like they're checking off all, all the boxes. Okay. They, okay. They have, uh, they have good album art. The one song I heard is good. Okay, great. This, this song, they look like they're, they're on the, you know, a sixties, uh, show, but it's also not, they're not wearing like wigs and, and matching outfits. They're like, it's like, this is a band who who's has great adoration of of what came before but they're clearly doing their their own thing like the coax me video was all and then and then when you know during the uh the right before the bridge where where the colors come down red red blue yellow green you know the color coding over over each of them it's like okay these guys get it like this is what i was looking for even if i didn't know it um i remember I, i remember um just going how I don't want to say I did like album by album, but it was just kind of like for that spring of 2011, that's all that was playing was Sloan. And it was, uh, you know, I would, I would jump from album to album and I knew, and this was, this is the other thing like going, and this is what we were talking about too. Like, um, you know, like side bands that have a lot of side projects or solo work with Sloan. It, like it can be very daunting to get into a band that has a gigantic discography, especially if if people are telling you, yeah, and the best the best stuff is uh, this side project he did or this this solo album he made. I'm referring to, and I love 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 Guided by Voices, but right, um, you know that is like there's nobody who would say like. Oh, that's it's a breeze to like sift through all that, you know. Like, you, <laughs> that's, that's a dense that's a dense canon right there. It's it's insane, and, and it's like I, it, in in a way, it's great because you're constantly discovering stuff you never heard before. It's kind of like a all you can eat buffet. But I do lo- I loved the idea that like okay, I'm I'm discovering this band. They had, and it's not like it's like let's say I was discovering Weezer at the same time in 2011. They would have had what five six albums and it'd be like that'd be like okay you know i i can blow through these but it's like that that's all they have but with sloan it was the fact that they had was double cross was their 10th album so um the fact that that they had there was that much material there was that much material to dive into but it was also it was a finite amount of material it was it was the perfect balance it was like you know, Goldilocks. It was just right, um, and uh, I think I think it really hit me when, like, it obviously everybody. And this is a, another reason why why they're great. Everybody's drawn to everybody loves 
if you're a Sloan fan, you love all four members. You have to. That's... I, I, I don't know anybody who's like, yeah, I only like so-and-so songs. But like, but at the same time, you're you're drawn to one member's songs. And for me, that was Chris um, immediately. Just his, his voice and the, the lyrics were funny, but they were not like stupid. They were like, I, I compare um, an easy uh, band to compare Sloan to is Fountains of Wayne. But like they don't even, Fountains of Wayne doesn't even come close in my opinion because like every song contains references to like movies and and pop culture stuff and it's just like it's you know you got to use that like um you gotta look at that like the food pyramid that's that's your sweets like you don't want to you know it's all sweets you can't be you can't be putting that on on every single song no disrespect and love love fountains of wayne rest in peace adam schlesinger um one of the all-time great writers and they're great but like sloan um sloan and like if you're looking, if you're looking for who, which member has the funniest lyrics, it's it's Chris. Um, but and but they're never like reference heavy. They're ne- they're I mean like they'll they'll be all, like in, in so far so good. There's the reference to the wire, but like whatever. That's that's ex- like I said, it's like the top of the food pyramid. You use that. That's like an extreme example. Yeah, yeah. And even with Chris's, with his, with the sort of funny lines and the, the words that he uses, I find that it's more like tongue-in-cheek and he's kind of winking at you whereas with a band like you mentioned like founds away and like they have a song hat and feet it's very on the nose for me like i love that song it's a great song yeah. but the lyrics there are a little more obvious you're not really yeah. looking any yeah. further than the surface exactly. exactly you don't need to have you don't need to have actually seen gremlins too in order to appreciate someone who i can be true with right exactly exactly and um so i in in plowing through the through the discography i I realized like I loved I loved everyone's songs. There was no there was nothing I had to turn off. But I but when you're when you're discovering a band for the first time, you're you're making mental notes of like what your absolute favorites are. And at a certain point, um, you know, and that's the great thing when you're discovering Sloan trying to figure out who's the like you know that there's four guys and you're trying to go like who's Okay, you know, you know it's one of them. It's their songs, and it's kind of like a fun puzzle to figure out. Okay, you know, because now it's like ri- it's like riding a bike. You 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 hear a Sloan song two in one second, you know who it is. But like when you're first starting out, you're like, is that Andrew? Is that Chris? And like, they're, obviously, they're the two that are the hardest. You know, like because Jay, it's always obviously Jay. It's yeah. always obviously Patrick. But then like sometimes Andrew and Chris sound similar, but not. Never to the point that it's indistinguishable, but I remember um, having that problem too, for sure. Yeah, so like, I remember. So, so first off, as a drummer, you're hearing, you're hearing, we're hearing these songs, me and me and Kali, and and we're hearing disc disc two of Live at the Palais Royale. We're just going like, okay, this is the best drummer we've ever heard. Like, this is this, and I I think Chris Murphy references this a lot but he's he's like Dave Grohl with the finesse of Keith Moon like yeah. it's there's no oh. there's no better and he's to this day you know I'll, I'll just be watching him at the shows I'll be like oh my either God, on yeah. Andrew and it's like oh wait I you know Andrew's the real deal like Andrew is is an artist like literally you know amazing painter and and all that but he's bringing he's bringing that element into the band not not to say the other guys aren't aren't artists and artful and, but like Andrew is like, that's, that's who he is. That's his, 
that's his DNA. And like, so, but even just, <laughs> that's the funny thing too. Like, Kali and I were, we'd be Googling pictures of Sloan and we'd see Andrew, like, we were, we would obsess over like how cool Andrew looked. Like, we're like, it, it, this guy, he looks like, kind of looks like Stuart Copeland. Like, but he, he, like sometimes he has glasses on and he's got, you know, he's got like the, the, the gray hair, but he's so, he's jacked. He looks cool. Uh, he's like, he's towering over the drums. Like, we're all, we're like obsessed with pictures of him. And then to hear his playing, um, we so we were obsessed with that and and i thought for a while i thought certain chris songs were andrew songs i was like so i was like okay i'm i'm an andrew guy um but then i realized they were chris songs i was i had to change that i was like okay i'm a chris guy but i still andrew's the andrew's great songs but his drumming is is there i I don't even want to compare them because it's if i could just touch on the drumming for just a sec because this is on my mind and i don't know when we're going to be able to get back to this again so i just want to make this clear really quickly with andrew and with the drums i even i saw an interview with him recently and i only saw it recently it's probably out the interview is probably like 10 years old but he says like oh yeah i love dave Grohl and everything and i think andrew even mentioned seeing scream at the rivoli in toronto in like the late 80s which is a crazy thought to me right um, wow. you know seeing young andrew scott at a scream show watching dave Grohl, watching uh, an 18 year old dave Grohl or a 19 year old dave Grohl. Yeah. <laughs> it's crazy <laughs> and, and 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 i love all that early nirvana stuff like i think dave as a drummer you know i mean he was probably the most popular drummer with the most popular band of the 90s so everybody kind of equates him to being this great drummer and stuff and i think he's great but he's he's fine rather but you know andrew kind of takes all of those different elements you know um i think some of the fills and stuff that maybe kind of come from chris like it's like andrew's sort of like the uh what would be a good word um he's sort of like the sinkhole you know like where everything is kind of being poured in and it kind of comes through this one vessel and you know chris mentioned in the interim between smeared kind of going into twice removed and especially going into one chord that they were influenced heavily by Supergrass, which was for me like a band that was a kind of a blip on the radar like i like some of their songs whatever right. i never actually got to see them live and that's maybe wh- why i think this way but you know chris had mentioned that they really saw you know Supergrass is like oh that's the direction we want to go with especially sure. at least drum wise anyway or at least that that's what they were thinking of on those one chord demos and going into navy blues and stuff but i mean god give me andrew scott over Supergrass and dave Grohl. like he is so and as far as I'm concerned, so much more fully realized than those guys, and just like a perfect amalgamation of those great influences into this one singular sort of where, where he's like, you know, I mean, they, we've talked about Keith Moon kind of the drums falling down the stairs thing, but Keith's thing is he never played a song the same way twice. You know, Keith was just wild abandoned. He knew the song, so he knew where he needed to get and how he was going to get there. He was going to figure out it along the way. You know, and if, if if that meant dropping a stick or the drums falling over or whatever, he was going to do it. And he was more about like the show you know right um and and andrew has that ability to do that like andrew i think can know that he, that the, the the you know beat one is coming up in a second and he'll maybe sometimes have fun figuring out how to get there but you know there's he's so great these days i would say and he has he and he's been playing for so long that whether it's a song that has a very specific drum fill that needs to be played you know to inform the song um or he just has a fun way of kind of getting somewhere. There's a finesse there that just doesn't exist with those other guys. Even somebody like Keith or, you know, you name the top drummers. I just feel like Andrew is that perfect amalgam of like feel tastefulness, finesse. I think he's just completely unparalleled. hundred percent. And you don't even, you don't even view him. Like you don't view him as like, even, even though he's always playing for the song, 
you don't like, I feel like that's a lot of people use that in like a, uh, you know, reductive way to describe a drummer. Like, Oh, he's just playing for the song. Like Andrew can do that. Andrew can do it all. It's like you said, the sinkhole thing. Like he can, there's certain, like, for example, deeper than beauty. He's playing that same thing the whole time. There's not a single fill. He can do that. No problem. And, but he can also do, um, you know, uh, G turns to D crazy, crazy fills and, and at the end of the song and embellishments and he, but he can also do Ringo like on, on three sisters, like just this, like straight far beat with yeah. these insane, insane fills like that. You, you, you know, off kilter fills. Chris, Chris is more inclined to do Ringo style fills. I feel like when, when he's playing drums, but like Andrew can, Chris would, would, would freely admit like Andrew can, can do whatever Chris is doing on the drum. Chris is on. That's the, that's again, the sub subtext of this episode, maybe the beauty of Sloan. The fact that our, our band's second drummer is better than your band's first drummer. Oh, and by the way, our band's drummer is a better guitarist than all of, all of the guitarists in the band. Yeah. Like what's, what do you what's going on there? What do you want? Put, give us, give us whoever you got, put put up your best uh, keyboard player. We got, we got Gregory McDonald who shout out to him. Um, as absolutely as the, as the George Martin slash Billy Preston slash, uh, whatever you, you know, Gregory is, uh, Bloody Gregory's the reason that there's there's a second half of Sloan to talk about in, in definitely in, you know definitely. so shout out to Gregory definitely um, we're getting we're getting him on the show at some point it's a matter of time we're asking cool. him right now this episode is the official request to Greg there you go <laughs> um so so just going through the albums I'm I'm establishing okay like Chris's songs are are my favorite and this is I I had not met the guy at this point I had not seen too many interviews so like I didn't even it was just that was just on a song level. I just liked those songs the best. And it was, I'm not a, you know, you get, get into the conversation a lot with people. Like, are they music people? Are they lyrics people in my mind? Like lyrics. I love good lyrics, but like, if you only like lyrics, then go get a poetry book because it's the music is so important. And like Chris's songs on a on a musical level was was where I was at, but I was still and I loved this. I loved that like oh man that that one Jay song or that one Patrick song or that one Andrew song. It was like they were they were making my list too. It was just like Chris was racking up more. And and if you're starting off with the earlier stuff, you know the odds are better that you're gonna like more Chris stuff because there was more Chris stuff. But um, I I think I it really hit me when when i heard um when i heard i love a long goodbye (laughs) that's and i i was like okay then this is now this is serious (laughs) like i love it i love i love that we're getting somebody on here who's just as much of a pretty together apologist as i am that's wrong when i heard when i heard that i was like okay like i have to i was flirt i was flirting with courting Sloan as my favorite band. And now I have to seriously sit down and consider, okay, this is, this may actually be my favorite band because I heard that I heard certain, certain stuff on, on never hear the end of it. It was, it, it, it's funny because it, it started off with just underwhelmed and one chord as distinct memories. And then everything else kind of like blends together as, as to how I, how I heard it. But, um, and I kind of heard it all out of order too. It was like, I didn't, I didn't listen in, in, in order, but it all culminated in that summer. Um, 
Kali uh, was like, dude, you'll never believe this. Because again, we went to school in Baltimore. He's like, you'll never believe this. Sloan is playing the auto bar. Now, for people who don't know, the auto bar is... And they're actually, you know, they're, I think they're actually trying to like stay afloat in in COVID time. So if if uh, it would be a cool thing to to help keep this venue alive. Um, but anyway, it's a it's a it's a rock club. It's a dingy rock club. Small um, stickers everywhere. Like what you what you picture as a you know a small rock club. And uh, the idea, because in my mind, I'm like Sloan's playing there. Like I I don't have any context of like the type of places Sloan plays. So I'm like, and I, and so I live in New Jersey when I'm, when I wasn't in Baltimore. So, but you know, uh, Trenton, New Jersey is a, you know, three hour drive to Baltimore. And I'm like, dude, I'll, I'll be there where we got to go. We got to go s- to see him at the auto bar. It all culminated with that because now the double cross is out. I've listened to, to that. I'm, I'm obsessed with the interviews and, and I'm finding out the personalities of each band member and, all that shit. And we walk, we, we walk into the doors at the auto bar and, and that's where I meet Rob because Rob is manning the merch table. And he, he probably remembers, uh, two, two like giddy 1920 year olds, uh, just like all we, first off, we brought a bunch of shit to get autographed. Like I, I, I went to Staples and like scanned the album booklets and shit. And like, we, nice. we had all this shit. And we were like, we're going to buy everything. Like whatever you got the merch table, we're going to buy one of everything. (laughs) Just like being two huge nerds. And we met and that's how, and that's to this day, obviously. I mean, that's how, that's how I know Rob and Rob was, uh, was, was on tour, as he said, with, with hot kid, the great hot kid. And, uh, they opened for Sloan on that tour, but that, but it all culminated in that show because, um, first off it now, now we were getting into like, we we're branching out. Callie and I was like, we were to us, we were the only two people who knew Sloan. So like now we're in this, now we're at a show where everybody feels the same way. And we're talking to Rob and like, you know, Rob is just like as, just as enthusiastic as we are. And he's telling us like shit that we never heard of. And he's blowing our mind. And, um, we, we actually got a, I don't know if you remember Rob, there was a great poster for that show. Oh for yeah. The, for the Baltimore show specifically where somebody made a, a crest. It was like a Sloan crest and it had two, like two hockey sticks or, but instead of hockey sticks, it was like the Mustang base and Jay's Rickenbacker. Fantastic. And like, it had like Chris's glasses in the middle of the crest. It was specifically for this Sloan show at the auto bar the Instagram channel in Baltimore. What's that? We got to get that onto the Instagram channel. I, I'll definitely, I, I have mine framed. I'll definitely take a picture. Amazing. And, yeah. I, I, I remember it was one of the opening bands who did the artwork for that. Yeah. Uh, there, there were, t- and it's funny to look back on it. There were, there were like three or four opening bands for Sloan, which is now, you know, and you guys talked about this in a previous episode. You know, they're they're opening for themselves now. That's too the there's too many too many songs now. But um, that show, we that was as close to like just it was pure giddy excitement to like fun- now see these guys live and like the fact that they were opening that tour with the one two three punch of of yeah double cross, double cross. Oh, where they're yeah. just doing follow the leader the answer was you into unkind it was just like holy moly and like we we were we were both so and still are obsessed with with andrew's drumming and just to be we were front we had to be front row and we were just did not care um it was it was an amazing show and 
it was definitely a turning point too, because then we we talked to we managed to talk to every one of the guys after the show. Which, if you're listening to this, you know it it can be it can be hard to get all four. It's like uh you know it's it's rare rare to get all four. But we we did end up talking to Chris uh, Murphy for for like an hour or something after the show, and then and then that's when I realized I'm like, great now now not only is this band making my favorite music, my, blending all my favorite styles of music into one thing. Great. Now, now the guy who's my favorite songwriter in the band turns out to be the funniest guy I know too. Like, great. Now I, now he's also my favorite comedian. Like this, what is, what's happening? <laughs> like, how is this? What, how did, how did this not exist in my life beforehand? So that, that was kind of, kind of a turning point. I had a similar and, experience really quickly just to, uh, shoot off on a tangent here really quickly. I remember going to South by Southwest 2007 with a band that I was in at the time. And luckily it was when uh, Sloan were uh, promoing Never Hear the End of It coming out in the States. Um, and so they were at South by Southwest to promote the album and they played like, I don't know, like it had to have been like between five and 10 times and they had different hosts for the shows. And yeah, David cross was there hosting one of the shows. Wow. And I remember kind of being a fly on the wall and Chris was the funniest guy in the room with David cross there, you know, like just wow. awesome. That's that, that totally nails it. Um, but that's, that's the long, long winded version of my journey to Sloan, but it culminated in like from that, once that show happened, it was, I had no pro like, you know, in a very like high fidelity way, I'm always keeping track of like my top five bands, my top five, top 10, what, you know, whatever. But for a while it was like, you know, um, Beatles, Beach Boys, Weezer. And it was like, it was fun to watch Sloan move up the ranks. And, and, you know, my best friend from home, Fernando, shout out to him. Like he, me and him like grew, grew up on, on Weezer. And like, uh, that was our bond and always like broke my heart to tell him like, I'm, I have this like mistress band Sloan and they're, and they're, uh, they're, they've, they've outranked Weezer now. It was always in, and I, it's funny. I did take, I took Fernando to see his first Sloan show, uh, in February, the Navy blues show at the, uh, Bowery in New York's and, and, and that was kind of, kind of fun, funny. It was like, Hey man, this is, uh, this is who I've been seeing these last, <laughs> these last uh, 10 years. Um, and that, that was that show, the, the 2011 auto bar show in Baltimore, it blew our minds. Everything was, was played. And like, it was, I, I don't want to be like corny or cheesy to say like it, they, they treat you like family, but they do like it, the crew guys, like we were cracking up, like shout out to Kevin Hilliard, like who was so cool to us and, 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 and talking to us and yeah, yeah, we'll go. We'll, you, you guys need Jay to autograph. Like you need Andrew to autograph your thing. Come on, I'll get him. I'll get him out of the bus. It was just like, we felt so at home with this band. And, and you know, that's the, the as a Sloan fan, there's, there is that selfish element because it's like, Hey, this wouldn't be, you want that you simultaneously want them to be so much bigger than they are. But at the same time, you're like, man, if they were household names, like we wouldn't get this. We wouldn't be able to talk to them after the shows. We wouldn't be. And, and, you know, maybe, maybe at a certain point in their career, like maybe that was, that was a, you know, a thorn in Chris's side. Why aren't we bigger? Um, but I think, you know, I think now everything is laid out in a perfect, it's a small community, but 
it's, you know, and obviously again, it's like, we want them to be bigger. My thing is always like, if, if I, if my music ever goes anywhere, I'll be sure that Sloan is, uh, the big star to my REM. Like I will, that's my, my goal, you know, I, cause I don't, I wouldn't, I wouldn't have any reason to, you know, that's the other thing. I, I wouldn't have any reason to be like writing songs. Like I didn't start writing songs till after I heard Sloan, like, and then now that's like a big part of my life. So it's, you know, it, it it's crazy what stemmed from Sloan and, and then just now and, and being able to pass it on to other people um, who, who love them now. And it's like, I do take a lot of shit in it for my friend groups who like to use like Sloan as a punchline for like, it's like something that I'm obsessed with, you know, but like, um, you know, it's just a, it's, it's a beautiful thing. It's an interesting thought. You mentioned, you know, the idea that the differences between, you know, how life would have, how life would be for us as Sloan fans and for them as a band had their trajectory kind of changed. And I mean, Chris has got, and the band have songs about that very topic, which is interesting. Um, self self referential stuff. But, um, in that same Andrew interview that I mentioned earlier, he talked about, you know, like, you know, they didn't become these huge billionaires where they could just stop making music because they don't need to, you know, it's sort of their livelihood. Therefore they keep doing it. And I think it's also, you know, I think there's an element of fun in there, obviously for sure. And they're getting out their sort of artistic, you know, uh, vibe, like whatever they, you know, they have songs within them and they want to share them and that's great. You know, and it's, it's interesting. You mentioned bare naked ladies earlier. And I remember being at a show in 2009 where I think Ed Robertson and maybe Tyler, one of the other guys was there from the, from bare naked ladies and Chris Joe, that um twice removed was there born on a pirate ship you know like the difficult okay. second album or whatever it was it was when um uh the ep came out the uh, uh oh, hit, and run, hit and run thank you yeah and uh it was at the um oh we're gonna edit this out but that name of that the bar that's on like ossington the, the dakota the dakota don't edit it we gotta yeah. keep it raw yeah dakota right. <laughs> it was 2009 so my memory's kind of losing it but uh yeah and so um a band like the bare naked ladies though, where, you know, tragically these days, um, I mean, and then I liked them in the early nineties or whatever. Uh, and I think obviously in the States, you guys really got the bare naked ladies in the early two thousands, but you know, Steven page is not in the band anymore. And for me, it's like, you know, it's, it's cool that there's still a band and stuff, but I couldn't imagine Sloan existing without one of the four guys, four core members, you know? And I'm so thankful that, you know, as much as it's tough that, you know, you know, Sloan aren't millionaires or whatever, they've obviously lived off this band. They haven't had to have like regular day jobs, you know? Um, so that's cool in a way, like that's a win, I guess. Yeah. Um, but, but had things changed, we wouldn't have all this great music and we wouldn't find out that these guys just like a fine wine, just get better with age. Like, God, I was just listening to just to kind of take another quick tangent for a second. I was listening to 44 teenagers the other day and I'm just like, I can't believe this is the new, like (laughs) this song is like on the new album. And it's like Andrew's best song. It's like insane. Totally. That is such a good point and it, it needs to be addressed the fact that you know there there are different you guys in, in the other episodes you talked about different um generations of sloan fans but there's also different tiers of sloan fans too and and i have no time for the for the people who own who think they you know who who clock out after like navy blues or something because it's it's you're 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 exposing yourself as a fraud because there's no point there's there's no point in sloan's catalog that you can check out it's 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 
you know, may, the only actually the only people who get a pass are if you clocked out after smeared. If you, if you like loved the That's smeared right. direction, and you like, and then you'd be like, what the fuck? They didn't do any more shoegaze stuff. Like I'm pissed, but like that they get a pass. But like people need. You know, Sloan knows it, and a lot of hardcore Sloan fans know it that like some of their best stuff is happening as we speak. You know, you, you might not like an album as much as another one, but they're going to come and release one in two years that's going to knock your socks off, right? And I'm going to—I'll be—I'll be the first person to put this out there. I'm not a big fan of Parallel Play. I, I like Parallel Play. I listen to Parallel Play yep. frequently, but you know, coming from never hear the end of it. Two years later, and getting a thirty-seven minute, you know, mini version with some Andrew stuff that's kind of new. Where I'm thinking to myself, you know, where 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 is he going creatively? But then two years later, we get the double cross, which is again fantastic, right? So, mm-hmm. like, of course, you're if you're if you you know if you're a fan of the band, and I'm talking in, in terms of a continuity perspective as a Canadian who who got to know them in the, in the 90s. So if if you're coming from their their 90 their 90s canon and if you're a fan of them by the point never hear the end of it drops in 2006 then you're a fan for life. If you digest 30 tracks white albumy kind of snippets of half finished songs that have been tied together in a brilliant way and if you're able to you know metabolize that and move forward then you're you're not getting off the train ever. It's impossible. Mm. It's so true. And I've had, and I've had friends, you know, different friends who I've, you know, forced Sloan on and, but now they're big fans, you know, it's like they, I I don't know where I was going with that, but, but that's, that's the thing. They, they, it's, it's all about being on the train and like you, I know like a lot of people, when I first showed them Sloan, they're like, oh, this is cool. But I'm I'm like, I, I know you will be like certain people i'm like i know you will be on this train like full stop now certain people it's like oh my god you you, you love sloan too much just calm down that's a new <laughs> thing so like no but that's i mean that in the best way it's like it's something to share and i yeah. also have to kind of apologize to the tragically hip fans as i've referred to them in previous episodes in a previous episode where i just mean like the fan that is sort of just listening to kind of whatever on the radio at the time and kind of have maybe a more narrow view of kind of music you know um kind of just whatever's popular is big and and, and you got to give it up for somebody who like you know in the 90s let's say they got big shiny tunes and they're like oh who, what, what's this song money cd maniacs and they buy navy blues and and it ends up in their car and they don't go any further just because life kind of took a left turn or whatever and then they got really into something else and they hold that album kind of uh special because it meant something to them at that time and i'm that way certainly like you know like one chord to another means so much to me because it was the first one that i heard and you know uh, never hear the end of it means so much to me because it was me like moving to toronto and going through a lot of stuff in my life at the time and uh, and even a, an album like parallel play there was a lot going on in my life there so you know as ken is saying like uh, for me that one's got like some of the strongest stuff from patrick and jay and i mean all the chris songs are really great um so it, it's you know, they they kind of you kind of have to just you know ride that wave, and um, I don't even know where I'm going with that point, but <laughs> you know they've always got something for you, and and I and I and I, and I, I you know I kind of feel for those fans who kind of maybe just only are stuck on one album in time, but God love them, and if they love you know just that one album, then there you go. But but I agree, you know there is a different different level, and I think that like you said, there are different tiers, and so this show is definitely appreciating those upper tiers. <laughs> definitely. And I, and that's, it's funny too. Like you, you mentioned, um, 
it's it's funny that we we can look at it on that microscopic of a level because when it when all is said and done, if we go macro with it, it's like if you know Sloan, you're in. Like thank you, That's like right. you're you're in our you're in you're on our team, you know. But it's funny we can we can go microscopic and be like, what do you mean you only like twice removed? Like you know, but the fact <laughs> it's it's like on on that same side of the coin, on the other side of the coin, you'd be like, oh my god, you know tw- what twice removed is? Like come on in, you know, like. Yeah. You know, that's why I'll, in the States, it's very much, you know, you go to a record store and I'm the guy who's like, do you have any Sloan? And, and if, if based on the face that the guy behind the counter makes, it's either like, oh my God, you know, you know them. That's awesome. Or like, it's like, oh, they're this Canadian band. Uh, yeah. you, you don't even want to get into, into the whole thing, but, um, you know, you're, you're, you're happy to hear people know about them for sure. So I- and uh the just a, a quick side thing i'm a i'm a big uh, philadelphia 76ers fan and Oof. one of my one of my favorite <laughs> things that happened in this terrible season was watching them play the raptors and like before a timeout or something money city maniacs starts playing i'm like out of the season <laughs> i'm like so you're telling me ben simmons has heard money has heard sloan whether he knows it or not this that sloan has passed through this guy's ears no whatever that's amazing that's That's fantastic. No, I think you touched on a great point. And being here in Germany, you know, the band has been here. I think that the band has been here on two tours. Uh, They came in 2000 as part of the European Between the Bridges tour. And they were here, I'm thinking probably 93 as part of a larger European Geffen type promotional thing. So they have a bit of a legacy fan base here. Um, and you do, you can find German language reviews of their albums. But can you imagine the look on my face when I found the um, seven inch Sloan Eric's Trip uh, compilation, sort of um, each, each band doing the other band's songs? So Sloan right. doing, split, split. yeah, exactly. St- Sloan doing Stowe Smother and, 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 uh, and Eric's Trip doing Laying Blame. I found that in mint condition at a record store in Dusseldorf here. And so the first thing you do is like, oh my God, you're a Sloan fan too. And the guy, the guy had obviously just purchased it randomly right. from some other dude. But you know, you, you, I, but you, you make a good point there. The obscurity of the band, the, the, the unjustifiable obscurity of the band in larger music circles means that as soon as you, as soon as you appreciate the music at any level you're in, and while we do kind of dote on those top tier fan anecdotes and everything that we love about the band and everything, all the nuances that you can pull out of them, I think that we do appreciate as well, even though we roll our eyes every time somebody screams people of the sky at a show, we appreciate all tiers of Sloan fandom because right. it's really, you know, the the levels of, of or the, the layers of, of fan bases that they've been able to attract over the years through their history in Canada and the States uh, enrich their career and, and, and help them become a professional band which gives us new material every two years so true i want to i want to actually kind of address the elephant in the room here and you've written very astutely about the parallels between sloan and the beatles as a big fan of both bands and i just want to ask you what's like what's your favorite beatles album and what would be the parallel to that album in sloan's canon uh, that's a great that's a great question um so yes that's my my claim to fame in in the Sloan world, like I, I, Collie and I had met all the guys after that show in Baltimore, but there's no reason, you know, they would have no reason to remember who we were, um, even though, uh, and I'll 
I won't forget the the original question at hand here. I feel like it's like the vice presidential debate. I'm like going into like something else, but uh, one thing they they let they put us on the guest list uh, for that uh, Brooklyn show on that same tour. I was just uh, gonna say I remember you being at the Button Factory. Yeah, yeah, and we uh, the Knitting Factory. Knitting factory. I'm so sorry. There's there's a minor difference, but the button factory is up the road. (laughs) The button factory was the after party. I'm sorry. (laughs) That's right. Um, And so it's funny, but this is just a anecdote, like the kind of, the kind of anecdote that you have as, as a Sloan fan. So with the show in Baltimore, I had what was at that point, the biggest beard I ever had. And I was not enough of a Sloan fan to know that, at the time that Chris Murphy is anti beard. And, uh, and he told, he told me as such after the show, he was like, Hey man, you got you're you're a handsome dude. First off, everybody was, was, uh, was, was at that show was like, doesn't, doesn't this guy look like Pete Elkis talking about me? And I was like, I didn't know who that was at the time, but, and basically Chris was like, you need to shave that beard. He's like, you're a handsome guy. You need to shave it. And it just so happened. I, I wasn't, I, I took it with a grain of salt, but I also was like kind of like over the beard. So I did shave the beard prior to the Brooklyn show. And there is, it still exists on YouTube, this clip um, where they're doing who taught you to live like that. And uh, during, during the, uh, you know, acapella section where everybody's doing the, you know, the, uh, 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 you know, um, Chris, Chris sees me, recognizes me in the crowd from the Baltimore show and, and makes a, makes a motion like with his, with his hands that like, good job, you shaved your beard. And, uh, I don't know. I don't know why, why I brought that up, but, uh, that's great. And honestly, you look like you could be Pete Elkis's cousin for sure. I'll take, I'll take that. So, um, why I brought it up was to say, you know, he probably knew me for one month in 2011 where he thought of me as the, as the kid with the beard who shaved his beard and then probably forgot about me like instantly I was brought back into their, I, I don't know. And they, they knew who I was again because in, in right before, right after Commonwealth got released, I, uh, basically I was, as I was listening to Commonwealth, I was like, okay, I have to, I have to review this. I have to, cause I, cause I did, I went to school for writing and, um, I was like, I have to review this or put it in, in words somehow, because I'm feeling so much about this. I remember when it came out to, I remember Rob was one of the first people messaged me. He's like, have you heard it yet? He's like, it's in Jay's side is insane. Like, wait, do you hear this? And I'm like, so excited for it. And, um, it's funny as I started writing the review for it, it just kept turning into like, well, this needs, how can I talk about this if I don't give them context for this? And then it basically turned into this gigantic essay, uh, which which was later split into three parts by the website Pop Matters. Who uh, shout out to them for for taking a chance on me because I I pitched this uh, I pitched it out to any music thing I could think of like Hey will you will you publish this mm-hmm. And uh, Pop Matters was the only one who even responded and they were like Yeah definitely um, And they're like We're gonna break it into three parts because they're like We can kind of see you have your your intro is comparing them to the Beatles and the middle section is like a review of their albums and then the final section is the review of Commonwealth. So that's my my claim to fame. That's how they know who I am because I I wrote those articles. Um and that's you know any v- very very rare, rarely 
I can't stress enough how rarely, rarely it is, but you know, like I think one time or maybe two times somebody at a show was like, you're the guy who wrote the articles. Right. And I'm like, <laughs> that's insane to me because I'm like, you know, like people I know people I'm friends with don't even realize I wrote articles. <laughs> you right. know, like that's awesome. But so that is my claim to fame. And that's the, the genesis of your question. Cause, um, I, I wouldn't say I wouldn't say the first article was controversial, but like they, Pop it's, Matters, it's setting a very high bar. Pop Matters took liberties with the title because because I didn't. Right. They they are the ones who split it into three sections, gave them each titles, and their title was like "Is Sloan the next heir, or is like Sloan the next heir to the Beatles?" And that like that was very not very much not the tone of my article. Like anybody who read the article would could very much see that I was like I wasn't trying to make the argument that Sloan were better than the Beatles I was just trying to make a set of criteria um and you could find these if you just google Sloan pop matters you could google my name Aaron Pinto um and you could find these articles um but I was very much just trying to establish criteria of what made the Beatles great as a band and then apply applying those criteria to a- any other band and basically Sloan is the only band left standing when you apply those criteria. So, so to answer your question, be, favorite Beatles album uh, changes all the time. Um, I'm inclined to go rubber soul. All right. Um, but I'm a huge, and it's funny cause I think it's unfashionable to say this, but I'm a huge Sergeant Pepper guy. Okay. Um, all right. And, uh, so you're a Chris and, fan. And you're a Sergeant Pepper, so I, I, you know, the parallels they <laughs> offer themselves. There you go. Yeah. So it's tough. I, I, I think, I think one chord to another is very much there. You don't want to say it's Sloan Sergeant Pepper. Sloan Sergeant Pepper might be like, might even be like Navy Blues. I know you guys talked about like the, you know, how eclectic it is. You could, yeah. I mean, you could argue that Navy blues is a single album, white album. I, you know, maybe I'm getting all, way too in the deep end here, but I do think one chord is most Sergeant peppery album, whether it's, maybe it's just cause of the horns, but like, I also view, um, I view Sergeant pepper as like, I think it gets, uh, it gets so much, it gets so much praise because of like the, how big of an album it was and when it came out. But like, I try to, I view it. I try to take strip away that context and view and listen to it as like an album. And it's like surprisingly raw. Sergeant Pepper. Like totally it's surprise. Like if you hear, I know you guys are talking about Beatles anthology in the other episodes. Like if you hear like the, uh, take seven or whatever of good morning, good morning on anthology where it's just the four of them, no horns and everything. It's like, this is a raw, album like the guitars are, are yeah are, and are the straight to, yeah the straight to console work you know the the the, the beginning solo the paul's sergeant pepper solo that leads off the album that's just driven straight to the to the console sure and he's just you know putting pre-amplification up to 11 on that one definitely so i view i i try to strip sergeant pepper of its all, all of its like pomp and circumstance and just view it as like a rock album and it's so it's i love it as that it's some some of the best bass work i mean if we ever need to do an episode where we where we compare paul's bass playing to chris's bass playing i mean i could i'll be there for that one for sure but uh don't do Oct- that one octave jumps me. octave jumps yeah there you go exactly <laughs> you're so, gonna you'll, you'll be there for it good 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 um 
but uh yeah i think one chord and sergeant pepper have have very similar qualities um and it's obviously it's it's so it's so easy to compare never hear the end of it to the white album but it's so in so many ways um it's it's probably it's even more more cohesive than the white album it's you know totally um, and you know but while the while the white album the white album was built out of dysfunction in many ways uh never hear the end of it was a wonderful uh a wonderful renaissance of collaboration within the band you know so that's uh the, the comparisons i think end in many in many regards uh at the double album and sort of segmented track approach I, I always got the impression too, like the white album kind of came out of, like you said, you know, conflict within the relationships and stuff. And, and for me, like the white album always kind of felt like it was sort of like a labor of love in a way. Whereas with never hear the end of it, you watch any of those videos on YouTube where the, it shows them making it and stuff. Right. It's, it, it feels like they're barely flexing a muscle, you know, like Sloan is barely flexing a muscle and they're able to just crank out a 30 song masterpiece. Totally, totally, totally. Um, I, I could probably, make parallels for each each Beatles album as a Sloan album but um it's funny cuz like the Beatles were breaking new ground with each album and it's you can't say Sloan is breaking ground with their albums you can't say they're evolving like crazy between albums but at the same time each album has a distinct flavor and that's similar to to the Beatles too yeah. it's like the stuff on parallel play has this like like i don't want to say lo-fi vibe but like the kind of like um i'm not a kid anymore like that guitar i think they recorded on like a cassette thing like that that mm. kind of had that feel for that whole album like drums very closely mic'd uh yeah. and that that album has a feel like they each have a feel obviously action-packed and and smeared are probably the two that have the most like but one chord you know the way the drums are on on one chord which uh, it was very beatly and you know the four track drums um they each have such a feel like even you know, I, I know you guys spent hours talking about navy blues and between the bridges but like even even with them I, they were recorded at the same studio right even recorded at the same place they they have distinct feels navy blues very oh. much very much their their hardest rocking i think um in in the uh aforementioned pop matters piece i refer to navy blues as led like led zeppelin meets the hollies like led hollies i think nice. was, was was navy I like blues that. i like that and and like cuz it's not like you know you you can reductively say like oh navy blues is their hardest rocking but that that in no way in no way does that take away from how pop oriented it is i mean yeah. you know come on come on is instant karma you know like uh, that's right well, that was his aesthetic goal, right? And he reached yeah, it. For sure. And, um, you know, Keep On Thinking is like a Motown song. It's like, you know, it's like that. But that that exists on that on that album that is, you know, definitely heavier. And where and Between the Bridges is very... The the, the electric piano on, on Between the Bridges, like the, the current that runs through the whole album, and that gives that its own feel. And, you know, um, so yeah, I, I don't think... Um, I don't think the Sloan albums are dra as drastic as the Beatles albums were from al album to album, like where, where it's like, you know, the, the difference from help 
into rubber soul like but i guess you could argue that that was all gradual with the with the beatles um you know their each album is kind of taking pieces of the one before it and and adding a little bit extra you could argue that sloan's doing that sort of thing too you know um, definitely I, I think i asked that first time that baltimore show a couple questions for you one uh what's your I think I asked him. I was like, "What's your favorite Beatles album? Like, what's your what's your favorite Beatles song?" And he like scoffed at that. He would, and then the running joke for the rest of that night was that like one was his favorite Beatles album. Beatles one. Um, <laughs> and, uh, but then, and then uh, and then I asked him. Uh, I asked him what. Uh, or I said to him, I was like, "Here are my top five Chris Murphy songs." And then he was like. He's like, okay, let's let's see if you're right. <laughs> like as I rattled them off, he was like, okay, that's like I was like, number five is keep on thinking. He was like, okay, that's correct. And then I think I said like I was like number number four is all by ourselves. He was like, that's wrong. That's not top five. <laughs> he's just like he's telling me what it what what is yeah. So um, I think I've asked I've asked them. Uh, I've I've talked about the Beatles with them, and you know like. They're obviously Chris, Chris and Jay, especially are, yep. are gigantic fans. They talk a lot about about uh, Fabcast, um, that Beatles podcast. I haven't given it a proper listen. Oh, it's the best! It's the best. That's that. That's our podcast role model. I was going to say, if you hear it, it may, it may inspire you to record uh, your own podcast. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> but yeah, I, I think I was just re- responding to like. Uh, favorite Beatles song or favorite thing. Cause I did ask Chris that I think he might've admitted happiness is a warm gun, or he might've offered that as an answer. Cause that's an obvious, uh, you know, you could draw the parallel between that and fading into obscurity for sure. Right. Um, yeah, that's an easy one to, to parallel between, but, um, but yeah, my, my claim, to f- my claim to fame, uh, is definitely, pairing the Beatles with with Sloan which uh you know I probably did I did I definitely did a lot of that before we even mentioned the article so but like at the same time I have no shame in that like I have I that's a they're a great touch point to talk they're a great band to contextualize Sloan in in that four and just four guys and just imagine being in a band like starting a band and you're constantly compared to who everybody would suggest is the greatest band of all time you know like right Cool. All right, Aaron. Well, we have a we have a diving board into a myriad of Sloan topics. Thanks so much for coming on. Um, this will be the first of we don't know how many uh, guest appearances by Aaron Pinto. A plethora on a plethora on Sloancast. So if you do have if you do have the time, check out what he's written. It's available on Pop Matters. Just search for Aaron Pinto Pop Matters and you'll find everything you need to know about his astute observations into the band Sloan. It was great having you. And for everybody out there in podcast universe, be sure also to follow the Murder Records podcast, which has two episodes out. And of course, the Sloan Selection podcast. Thanks so much, guys, for, for having me. It's, it's you know, uh, it's better than what I usually do on Saturday, which is this, but to a wall. So uh, to, have, to have feedback, to talk about Sloan to, to other people who love them as much as me, it's just, uh, it's... As I keep saying, it's the beauty of Sloan. So thank you so much for having me. I can't I can't wait to do that.